we could be opening our Bibles up to Luke chapter 2, excuse me, Luke chapter 1. How's everyone doing today? Thank you so much to our worship crew who's really led us into the presence of God to worship God and uh, just uh, 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 encourage us. What a great song by Tim and uh, uh, Heather and Lilia and uh, Jake on the piano, Hand It Over. Uh, doing a lot of that lately in my own life, so that's a exciting uh, song to sing there. And uh, boy, just uh, Come Thou Found, 10,000 Reasons, what an amazing time of just worshiping God. You guys just sounded amazing today. Uh, just a full, rich singing of the congregation into into uh, uh, the, the ears of God is always uh, encouraging. Okay, we are uh, continuing on our sermon series about being strong in Christ. And I'm preaching through the book of Luke. Today we're going to finish up chapter 1 and dive into chapter 2 as well. And we're going to be talking about the strength of Mother Mary. The strength of Mother Mary. But I first want to talk a little bit about this, this idea of strength in Christ and why do we need strength in Christ? What, why should we listen to a sermon series on being strong in the Lord? Why do we need strength in Christ? I want to tell a little story. You guys like stories? Okay. A few years ago, on a, we had a father-son retreat, and we went canoeing down a river and it was near the Bradles. So Craig was in charge, and it was at the Bradles uh, Extended Families Cabin. I don't see Craig here today, so I can talk freely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, we were at the Bradles Cabin, and Craig's like, how about we just do a nice little canoe paddle? And so we're like, oh, easy enough. And as he said, it's even better. It's downstream. And so we're thinking, amen and amen, right? Downstream, I can just kind of coast along. Well, at first, we're paddling and going with the current, and uh, it's all good, right? But then it started to turn into not a few minutes, but an hour. Not an hour, but multiple hours. And it was like, by the, and so this was like an all-day paddle, and the current kind of went away, and we ended up on this lake. Brad, you remember the lake? Okay, we just know it as the lake. But the wind had come up, and there was no current, and the wind was going against us, and it literally, we had to paddle with all our, everything we had on one side just to keep the canoe from like going straight to the edge of the lake, and some of us didn't quite get it. We had to get out and walk, and it was, a, it was quite an experience, and then we got to the end, and initially we were blessing Craig. Oh, what, Craig's so nice. At the end, I'm like, Bradle, God, <laughs> curses on his name, you know, not, not quite that bad, but uh, I don't know, it was, uh, it was interesting, and, uh, um, and then we got to his thing, and then we were literally carried along by the mosquitoes back to camp, I remember that too, but uh, uh, you know, sometimes we feel like following Jesus should be like just kind of going with the current, right, should be easy, should make life easier, should be a nice little stint on Sunday morning, go with the current. But actually, following Jesus is a lot like more like paddling against the wind with all you got. And sometimes you feel like, I'm not getting anywhere. Amen? I feel so weak. I feel like I'm struggling. You know, really following Jesus 
is, you know, if we think about following Jesus, we could easily be carried along by the currents of American easy believism. But the reality is it's paddling against the wind to truly follow Jesus. We need strength for that. You know, righteousness carried along by the currents of peer pressure compromise. But being righteous means to paddle against the wind and to be a man or a woman of integrity, of purity. We need strength for that, spiritual strength. To grow spiritually, it could be easy to just be carried along by the currents of spiritual apathy. Because, hey, by the way, once saved, always saved, a false doctrine says. But no, to grow spiritually, you've got to paddle against the winds of the world trying to press you into its mold. And you need spiritual strength. If you're going to really embrace your mission in life, it's easy to be carried along by comfortable, self-seeking ambitions with a pinch of Jesus thrown in to appease our consciences. But if we're really going to have the mission of Jesus, we've got to paddle against the wind. It takes sacrifice. It takes hard work. It takes investing everything you got, and that requires spiritual strength. Are you with me? If you're going to embrace your ministry calling by God, it'd be easy to just be carried along by the currents of the send someone else convenience. Moses tried that and had a little talk with Jesus, I think. All right? But we got to paddle against that wind and recognize that the talents, the gifts, the experiences you've been given are designed by God to be used for God. Amen? That takes spiritual strength. So if you haven't felt much of a need for spiritual strength, maybe you need to think about why that is. Those of us who feel the need for spiritual strength, we're going to look at Mother Mary, amen? We're going to look at Mother Mary as she embraced her mission, her ministry, her desire for righteousness, and how she relied on God for strength. She's a spiritual hero in Christianity. Generations have praised her. Now, it's not okay to worship Mary, but we do hold her up and honor her and imitate her faith. So how did Mary find strength? How did Mary find strength? That's what we're asking. And my thesis this morning is that Mary found spiritual strength through belief in God's word, through a fear of God over man, and through encouragement from God's family. Amen? Let's go ahead and say a prayer. Father, thank you for bringing us here today. It's so good to worship you. We desperately need this time together to come into your presence, to hear your voice, to feel your comfort. Father, just to encourage, to get encouragement from your word, inspiration and encouragement from one another. I pray, Father, for all of those who are visiting with us today, that they will, they will have open minds and hearts. For those of us who have been here a million times, that we won't just uh, fall into the trap of, I've heard this before, but let your spirit communicate afresh and new to the deep needs of our souls. Father, I pray as we look at Mother Mary, that we are inspired that such a poor, young, uh, 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 humble woman would be able to be chosen and used by you to, in, in such a powerful way. Help us to imitate her faith. We love you, God. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's, lead, let's read here. Luke chapter 1. We're going to read verse 26 through 45 here at the beginning. Luke chapter 1. And I'll be reading out of the New American Standard Bible. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. 
And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. She was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who is called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now at that time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. So we know from reading earlier that Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist, was the baby that leapt in her womb when he heard Mary's greeting. Point number one is strength through belief, particularly belief in God's word. Belief in God's word. You know, in Luke 1, verse 37, Gabriel says, listen, for nothing will be impossible with God. And in the footnote, the language uh, implies that it's the, uh, kind of an expanded version is that nothing or not any word will be impossible with God. Sometimes we see on athletes, Philippians 14, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And it's like, okay, well, what happened to that failed touchdown pass? Because you said you could do all things. It doesn't look like you could do that. See, that's a, mis, uh, 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 a misapplication of the scripture. We can do all things through what Christ calls us to, through his strength. Amen? And here, Gabriel's saying, listen, he's like, you're going to have a baby. And uh, Mary's like, mm, problem. Uh, I don't have sex before I'm married, and we're not going to have sex before we're married, and I haven't had sex until this now. I'm a virgin, so my understanding is that babies come from, you know, okay, this isn't health class, so I'll just leave it there. <laughs> and the angel is like, listen, when God says something, it's going to happen. God says, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have a baby there, sister. Okay? And the power of the word is such that, remember how God created the heavens and the earth and everything we see? What did he do? He spoke. 
That's the power of God's word. So if we believe that, we certainly can believe that God can speak a baby into the womb of Mary. Nothing is impossible with God, and when God says it, it happens. Luke 1, verse 20, what we looked at uh, a couple weeks ago with Gabriel, uh, with, with Zacharias or Zechariah, was he struggled with believing that they could have a baby because they were so old. Or actually, he says, he's old and his wife is well along in years. So he was good, good choice. Uh, but he said, uh, uh, but, but Gabriel said, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Luke 1, 38, uh, Mary says, behold, the bond slave of the Lord or servant. We don't, we're uncomfortable with the word slave. And so we, we translate it into the word servant, but the word is doulos, which really literally means I'm owned by the master and I will do what he says. So she is giving herself as God, whatever you want me to do, I will do as your servant. May it be done to me according to your word. So her belief was in the word of God being fulfilled. Luke 1.45 said, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what has been spoken to her by the Lord. Do you see the connection between belief and the Word of God? You see that? See, we don't just believe because we just think something strongly is going to happen. No, our belief, Christian belief, is, def- is rooted in God's promises, the Word of God correctly applied to our circumstances. Mary believed in God's macro and micro involvement in her world. She believed there was something far bigger going on with Israel and, and Jesus as the Savior of the world than just her little world, but he also, she also believed that he was very involved in the details of her little world. Does that make sense? Macro and micro, God's involvement. God's message into this world, number one, is true but it also comes true. So one of the main themes of Luke 1 and 2 is that everything that God says is going to happen, from the angels, the shepherds, whatever, everything that God says is going to happen exactly happened. And Luke is a historian, so he's doing research. He's writing to Theophilus that he may know without doubt that this is true. So everything that is said is happening just as it says. Our belief today, we're not probably told that you're going to have a, you know, you're not told that you're going to have a baby, uh, uh, Jesus is going to enter your womb. That, that would be just not okay. Like if you get that message, you know, you need to come talk to me or someone else, okay? Uh, but we do hear something from the Word of God that when God says it, it's true, and when we obey it, it comes true. I want to give you a few examples from my own life, there's time, many years in my life, my priorities were all out of whack, right? My priorities were basically sports, girls, and money, okay? Uh, and God was, some, I remember thinking like, where does God fit in? I think was, I wrote a list of my, not what I said were my priorities, but how I was living was my priorities. And I think God became in about maybe eighth or ninth. Are you with me there? Our priorities are out of whack. But the Bible says, what does the Bible say about our priorities? It says, seek first, Matthew chapter 6, six, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then what? 
and all these things will be given to you as well. See, when you get your priorities straight and you put first things first, then things happen well. And that's why I put God from ninth to first. And I don't know, it's about you. If you're listening, maybe you can identify that God is a lower priority. When God doesn't come first, it just doesn't work very well in life. How about uh, um, the idea of sin and guilt and shame? Anyone struggle with sin, guilt, shame that comes along with that? What does the Bible say? The Bible says in James 5.16 to confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Okay? So if you try that, if you not just know that, but if you obey that and, and get open with your struggles and sins, then it helps us repent. The guilt and shame just miraculously goes away. Anybody, anybody experience that? Amen. Okay? So that's the word is true and it comes true as we obey. How about finances? You guys like to talk about finances? Josh is going to talk a little bit about finances in a few minutes when he does his contribution talk. But in finances, listen, the Bible is very clear about finances. Well, the Bible doesn't have much to say about money and possessions. Actually, it has, what? what's the number, Dave? Over 2,000 verses in the Bible deal with money, possessions, and finances. One of them is this. You reap what you sow. He who sows generously reaps generously. Uh, and, and so what I did, I remember when I was a young college student, and I had just gotten baptized and become a Christian, and it came time to do the offering. And I was like, well, I don't got any money. I'm a college student. And the brothers around me were like, uh, well, actually, you do got money because you ate at Taco Bell the other day. Well, yeah, I got money, but I'm poor. They're like, stop making excuses. Give something to God. Amen? And I appreciated that little kick in the pants. Now, you're, what you give to God is between you and God. They didn't tell me what to give, but they did challenge my heart if I was going to be generous and trusting or not. And so I started giving $15 a week as a poor college student in 1992. I don't know about you, but that was quite a bit of money back then, okay? And guess what? Ever since, I want to give more. I want to be generous. I want to be open-handed because the Bible says to he who is generous... Uh, will be treated generously. The measure you use, such will be used towards you. And God has been incredibly generous. You reap what you sow. So these are examples of believing the word of God and obeying the word of God and finding strength. The Bible is full of all these things. Listen, we will not find strength through belief if we sit in doubt. Who wrestles with doubt? I wrestle with doubt. We all wrestle with doubt. And there's... There's not, it's, Mary is never uh, uh, corrected for wrestling and being open with, um, okay, baby, virgin, I, what, how is this going to happen? Just like Zechariah, uh, baby, old, how is this going to happen? Okay, now he was challenged in his doubt. Uh, Mary wasn't challenged quite as hard, okay? She was just given the answer, and then she said, amen, let it be according to God's will. If we sit in doubt, if we sit in doubt, we're not going to be strong. But if our beliefs are based on God's word, then at some point we have to decide. This is either true or it's not true. I'm either going to obey or I'm not going to obey. Amen? One or the other. And when you decide, your strength just explodes, your spiritual strength and you're given the, the strength to obey God, and God's word comes true, and now that belief starts to build on itself. 
we also won't find strength if we're not consistently studying God's word. Okay? Because the word, this faith comes from hearing God's word. So if we're not consistently studying the word, we're not going to be able to obey it and we're not going to see it come true. You know, if you've never studied the Bible and you really don't know where to start, how to do it, what I would recommend is, is tapping the person who brought you or finding someone and say, hey, I want to do this follow me series. Because what this does is it really explains how to uh, take the first step or the next step in what it means to follow Jesus. That's why it's called follow me. It's written to you, okay? It's awesome. We've just started doing this with our neighbors, and their faith is coming alive. It's coming their eyes are like, wow, I've never seen this before. This is so simple. Why haven't I done this? It's like, because you've just definitely paid attention or something. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to say exactly what I said, okay? Do that, okay? Listen, if you've, if you've been reading the Bible, but you've kind of slipped, you've kind of stumbled back into being apathetic about it, use, the, use Mother Mary to, to inspire you to get back with the program, Amen. Get back into the Word. We need to constantly be reading the Word to eat it up. Uh, if we've gotten dull in our Bible studies or it seemed dull to us, then spice it up. If you don't know how to do that, then go ahead and ask. That's probably the first step. Okay? So number one, strength through belief. Number two, strength through fear. Hmm. What do you mean strength through fear? We're going to read the next section in chapter one in a minute, but... A lot of us, we're not aware that Mary's pregnancy would bring about many things in her life. The, I think the, the number one thing Mary had to face was fear. Fear of what? Well, first of all, fear of the rejection of those closest to her. Joseph, her fiancé, it says that he had decided to divorce her once he found out that she was going to be pregnant or she was pregnant. Okay? So she knew that if she receives this and accepts this in obedience, that this is going to have consequence with her relationship with Joseph, right? And it almost did, but an angel intervened, okay? And then and picture that conversation. Um, so it's date night, okay? Joseph and Mary heading out, maybe to a movie, Mexican, I don't know. <laughs> and she could tell, he, he could tell she's a little anxious, like, what's up? What's up, babe? You, you okay? <laughs> Honey? You know? I don't know what he called her. Well, there's something I need to talk to you about. Okay, I'm all ears. Whatever it is, I love you. You know, It's all good. Well, Joseph, how's your faith? <laughs> um, I'm actually pregnant. Right? Uh Squeeze me? <laughs> Baking powder? Uh, that's an 80s reference. If you don't get that, then watch YouTube. Uh, squeeze me, baking powder, and then you'll get it. Okay. Um, keep her moving. Okay. Yeah, I'm pregnant. Well, how did that happen? Um, you know, well... It's the Holy Spirit came upon me and in his presence. And Gabriel, the angel, what are you going to think Joseph thought? Uh-huh. I've heard that before. 
right? She thought she's crazy. Are you kidding me? You're crazy, right? So here she knew this would have consequences. You know, if her parents rejected her because she got pregnant, she would be forced into begging or prostitution for a living. Now, this is a religious failure, so to speak, to get in, in the Jewish community, if you were pregnant and not in wedlock, the Jewish authorities could stone you to death if they felt it was right. So religious, she was an incredible, as you will find out in a minute, she knew her scripture. She was an incredible student of the word, probably a very good Jew, okay? Her reputation um, would be what, you know, uh, destroyed. And how about a complete loss of control? How about a complete loss of, this is not how I had thought this would go? Are you with me there? I've dealt with the past couple of weeks with a complete loss of this isn't what we had planned uh, for our family life. You know, we're, we're, uh, um, we're having a relative, a four-year-old relative stay with us now, and it could be long-term in our, in our life, in our family. And it's like, I'm 47 years old. My kids are 18, 16, and 14. I ain't going to lie. We have started to think about what it would be like to be empty nesters. You know, when you're this age, you start to think about the next chapter in life. And there's quite a bit of enthusiasm that comes along. I love my kids, right? We're having a great time as teenagers. But it's like five more years. (laughs) Cash at me. Yeah, yeah. Right? Guess what? God looks like he has another plan in mind. Wait a second. What about my dreams? What about where we're headed? What about all the things we we thought we were going to do? God's like. (laughs) Mary is like, man, this is out of control. This is not the way I had planned this to go. So how did Mary find strength through these fears? One answer, her fear of God overcame her fear of man, her fear of failure, her fear of pain, in her fear of the loss of control. Listen as she communicates this. Verse 46. And Mary said, so she goes down to see Elizabeth. Elizabeth is super encouraging, which is going to be our last point. And then Mary communicates, My soul exalts the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bondslave. For behold, from this time on, gener- all excuse me, from this time on all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. You know, it's a, it's a common teaching and thought that God's mercy is on everyone unconditionally. And while God is merciful, even to those who hate him, he sends the rain and good things on people regardless of their posture toward God, there is, it is a falsehood that God is merciful toward everyone. He's merciful toward those who fear him. Are you with me there? It says, he has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away 
the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned to her home. I want to talk a little bit about the fear of God, because this is often misunderstood. And often we quickly go to, well, it's not really fear, it's just reverence. Actually, if you look up the, the, the way this word is translated, it's like 70 sometimes fear in one time reverence. Maybe we're even too quick. We're so afraid. Well, we can't fear God because God's like my nice grandpa next door neighbor who gives me ice cream when I come over. And he's like big Santa Claus that I sit on his lap and I tell him what he wants. And he says, okay, that's what we want our God to be. Listen, there is never a time in Scripture where anyone entered the presence of God and was not immediately afraid. We better be careful that we don't get so comfortable Talking about God, around God, and yes, Hebrews teaches we approach the throne of God with confidence, but it's because of the blood of Jesus and only the blood of Jesus. But outside of the blood of Jesus, you don't approach God with confidence. You approach Him with fear and trembling. Are you with me there? As a church, we need to preach the fear of God. It's right. There's right and there's wrong. You don't just make up right and wrong according to what you think. Oh, so now God's your little servant? No, God establishes what's right and wrong, and we say, yes, sir. Amen? From this pulpit right here, you're going to hear about the fear of God. Amen? Let it always be that we preach the word. Mary said those. God is merciful upon those who are humble, those who are hungry, those who have a right kind of respect and fear of who God is. I one time overheard, I was at a coffee shop, and I overheard this person say, you know, I don't want my God to be this way, such and such a way. And I almost was like, I'm, that's not going to be my God. And I'm glad it was a clear day, because I was afraid of lightning <laughs> at that moment. I'm sorry, you don't get to define who your God is. Amen? God is God. It's not our job to define what he should approve of and disapprove of. It's our job to figure out from the scriptures what he does approve of and not in tremble and repent. Amen? Let's look at a few verses on the fear of God. Uh, Psalm 103, verse 15, it says, For man his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. How do you really feel, psalmist? Okay? Uh, but the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. Do you get that? The loving kindness on those who fear Him. That's a mercy. That's a, that, that word is hesed. It's mercy. It's it's so rich, full of unconditional love and that sort of thing on those who fear Him. Wait a second. I thought it was supposed to be loving kindness. That's how it works. When we fear and respect God, we receive that. And His righteousness to children's children to those who keep His covenant and remember His precepts. To do them. Jesus said in Matthew 28, go make disciples and teach them to just sit around and talk about the commands and discuss them to see how this might kind of comfort my feelings this week. That's not what it says. Matthew 28 says, go make disciples, teach them to, let's say it loud, obey. obey. Society doesn't like the word obey. I don't like the word obey. I know my kids don't like it, especially my new one. <laughs> 
right? <laughs> Pray for me. But Jesus says, teach them, teach them to obey. Teach them to obey. As, we, as we're in one another's lives, our job is to teach one another to obey the scriptures. You know, uh, um, go, to the, go to the next one, please. Matthew 28, Matthew 10, 28. So Mary had this, and now Jesus, this is later, do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Ah, kind of mean spirit, kind of judgmental, like, ooh. I don't like that kind of attitude there. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? For the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear, you are more valuable than many sparrows. I'm confused. Here he says, do not fear, and he says fear. See, when we understand the fear of God, then actually we're more secure than ever. Amen? One of the reasons society struggles with so much anxiety, and I'm one of them, is because we do not preach and teach and hold to the fear of God. Amen? This is how Mary overcame all those fears, because she was obeying this from Jesus before even Jesus even said it. See, there's an anxious fear, fear of man, fear of loss, fear of pain, fear of being alone. It leads us to compromise, and then ultimately, Short-term compromise, it feels good in the short term, but long-term we're destroyed. But a healthy fear, a healthy fear of God, where we give all of ourselves over to Him in complete surrender and trust, and He takes care of us. This is what Mary said. Because of her fear of God, she said, I am your servant. Do it according to your word. And did God take care of her? Did God handle her relationship with Joseph? Yes. Did God handle her relationship with her parents? We don't really know. I probably... Uh, eventually. Did God handle all these changed plans and new, new ideas? God handled it, amen? That's what it produces. How does the fear of God build strength in us? It produces humility so we can be exalted. When we exalt ourselves, we'll be humbled. But when we fear God, we humble ourselves. And God lifts us up. When we don't fear God, we just strive to fill ourselves, but we end up empty. When we fear God, we let ourselves hunger and thirst for righteousness. And he fills us. When we don't fear God, we just serve ourselves. We're just living for ourselves. Whatever's convenient for me, whatever's comfortable for me. When, when we serve ourselves, pretty soon we're frustrated. But when we just give ourselves to the service of God, here I am, send me, then God helps us. Fear of God. Okay, let's, la let's lastly talk about strength through encouragement. Strength through encouragement. You know, Mary received, we're not going to, Take the time to read uh, the rest of this, but I do want us to look over in chapter 2 in verse 19. Mary received a lot of encouragement. Notice, as soon as she got the message, where did she go? Because the Gabriel said, even Elizabeth is pregnant. Elizabeth was a relative of hers. So she got off the phone with Gabriel, and she said, I'm going to go hang out with Elizabeth. Smart girl, right? Because Joseph was freaking out, parents were freaking out, Community's freaking out, like, I need, a, I, need a, I, need a, a, I need a Sabbath rest. I need a getaway, spiritual getaway. And so she went to hung out with Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was so encouraging, wouldn't you say? So encouraging. But not just words of flattery. It was 
spiritual depth and rich encouragement to her. Uh, Zechariah in his prophecy in chapter 2 here uh, prophesied about John the Baptist and Jesus, these two sons that would change the world, two cousins in the wombs of Elizabeth and Mary. So much encouragement. You, got the, you get the sense that uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth are kind of like that good aunt and uncle. Remember, you know, times we always kind of, sometimes we have problems, sticking points with our own family. This is where we need spiritual aunts and uncles. And we can go and we can talk. This is what I'm so excited about the teen ministry. Honestly, about three-fourths of the teen guys come through my door. I'm sitting on the couch. They come in the door, and they're like, hey, what's up? And they just go straight to the fridge, <laughs> right? And then they eat my food. But I love it that way because... Uh, a couple of them, they, hey, hey, Dad, what's up? I'm like, I'm not your father, okay? Uh, but there's a spiritual big brotherness going on. It takes a village to raise a child. It's a magical thing. I get the feeling that Mary went to Elizabeth and Zechariah, got some great encouragement. Joseph eventually uh, became encouraging. There's the story of the shepherds. The shepherds were told about what's gonna, what they're going to see, and they came, and it says they told Mary exactly what the angel said. And Mary treasured these in her heart. Simeon and Anna at the temple when uh, uh, Jesus was, uh, went to be uh, 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 circumcised, etc., uh, presented. And uh, uh, they were super encouraging. But I want to look at Luke chapter 2, verse 19. After the, this is out of the shepherds came and says, you're not going to believe it. The angel said we would see this and there's exactly what we saw. A baby in the manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. Okay. And in Luke 2, 19, it says, But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Pondering them in her heart. You know, we try to encourage one another as a, as a church. Amen? We're in, we're in partnerships. We try to say encouraging things to one another because the world beats us down. Sin beats us down. Satan accuses us night and day. we got to battle that. We battle with encouragement from one another. But it's easy. Once you say it, easy, it's easy to brush it off. It's easy to brush it off. It's like, well, I don't, ah, you're just saying that. Are you with me there? Some of us, we don't even like encouraging things because we, we just get all weird about it. Okay? Mary didn't brush it off. Why? Because she would have missed the message from God. Listen, there's, encouragement is important. It's important to give it. It's important to know how to receive it. I'll be honest with you, uh, I'm not going to share about this every sermon, but I'm going to share about this, this sermon, this, this whole life change with Jayana, the four-year-old. Um, I want to share kind of openly because I don't know if I've ever felt more afraid and weak and scared to death. And the church has been so encouraging to our faith. This is not what we had planned. I'm old. I'm tired. When, when, when Christy and I kind of made the final decision, okay, we're going to go for this, I just kind of broke down. I said, I'm just, I don't know if I'm strong enough for this. And she said, remember what you preached about? I'm like, ah. <laughs> the theme for the year. Not what we had planned. Not what I had in mind with the theme of be strong in the Lord. So I'm just too weak. I'm so weak. I'm, it's time to retire from parenting. I've done my job. Um, and, uh, uh, but it's been so encouraging. You know, I just want to share with you some of the encouragement that I've had to 
ponder in my heart to make sure I got the message from God. Uh, the, the, the morning that we had to decide, Jordan was having her quiet time in her devotional book, and I was having my quiet time, and she said, Dad, you're not going to believe the verse the quiet time book said. She says, it's Psalm 68, verse 5. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Because that, I've said often, that, that's like my favorite verse in the Bible. And here I am, needing to make this decision. It's so encouraging to my faith, to her faith. You know, uh, one of the sisters, Jesse, said, yeah, said, because we've, we've wrestled with this for a while, and Jesse's like, we said, please pray for us that God makes this clear. And Jesse's like, well, I've been praying that God makes it clear, but I'm going to be honest with you. I've also been praying that this little girl ends up in your house. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> Not a jerk. Thank you, Jesse. And, uh, so, and even we were discussing this as a family. It's like, well, what about our family? We've got this... We've got this nice little system going in our family. They're teenagers. We have family nights. It's a beautiful thing. We all get along. It's like, the one was like, well, what about our family? And then Jackson's like, you know, what about our family? Maybe our family needs to step up and obey the scriptures. Another jerk. <laughs> Just kidding. You could tell I was kind of fighting this, right? Um, uh, and then Lee Harvener. You guys know Lee? Lee, was, Lee uh, uh, was 25 years old. Guy was, you know, converted in the campus ministry. Now him and Morgan lead the campus ministry up in, up in Duluth. And we were on a retreat this past weekend. And, of course, I was being open, which means whining about uh, how hard this is going to be. I just called it openness. Um, and uh, Lee looks at me and says, well, clearly God loves this little girl far more than your comfort. Man, just getting encouragement from all over the place, aren't I? But guys, are you with me here? We gotta, we gotta encourage one another. We gotta treasure and ponder these things in our heart, because God often calls us to a ministry. He calls us to a mission outside our comfort zone. That we may be rationalizing and excusing away. The biggest thing about Mary. She made herself available. She made herself available. And God worked through her. Don't brush encouragement off as flattery. Don't worry about you're getting a big head. Treasure and ponder and hear God's call. Embrace it. I am your servant. May it be done to me according to your word. Amen? Do we need strength this morning? Let's be inspired by Mary to find strength through believing God's word through fearing God more than man, and treasuring one another's encouragement. If you need encouragement, then you need to say, go to someone and say, hey, I need some encouragement. But you need to make sure to give encouragement. Give some encouragement today, amen? As we prepare for communion, Simeon said in Luke 2.35 to Mary at the temple, she said, a sword will pierce your own soul. Mary was the only human from the beginning of Jesus' life until his crucifixion. She was there at the beginning, and she was there at the crucifixion, and a sword pierced her own soul.
Could you imagine seeing your son on the cross? Could you imagine the pain that she was experiencing? It's your and I's sin that put him up there, right? It's your and I's sin. We were the, we were the one piercing him, and it pierced Mary's soul too. But it, I didn't say from the beginning to the end, right? Because that, that wasn't the end. Jesus died, he was buried, and he was resurrected, and he lives today. Amen? He lives today. That's what we celebrate during communion. Do you need to let the cross pierce your soul today? Let's, let's commune with God. Let's think about Jesus, his death and his burial and his resurrection. He lives. Those sins can be forgiven. Amen? He's merciful toward those who fear him. Mary uh, uh, allowed Jesus to go through that, and her faith was built. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, she, along with her other sons, were joining together in prayer uh, at the beginning of the church. Let's go ahead and uh, pray for communion at this time. Father, thank you so much for Mother Mary seeing her as a poor uh, 16-year-old teenager have the faith, have the fear of, fear of you to receive the encouragement to go ahead with this crazy plan. Father, sometimes your plans just are crazy in our, our own minds. It's not how we planned it. It, it, it disrupts our, our comfortable lives. Father, I pray during this time of communion we can hear God's voice. We can hear your voice. We can remember Jesus. We can uh, remember that he died for our sins, and therefore our sins, sh it should humble us, but also encourage us that we don't have to bear the burden of the guilt and the shame. We can be forgiven through repentance and baptism into his name. Father, that we remember his death and his burial and his resurrection, that he lives today, and that your spirit lives today, and whatever you call us to, your spirit will empower us for that mission or, or ministry. Thank you for this time of communion. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.